1: Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Wayne Goldsmith is our Wednesday morning regular, normally on the phone from the Gold Coast where he's doing anything from cooking uh, something on the barbecue for his breakfast to luxuriating beside the pool with a cup of coffee. Today, though, he joins us in the
0: Radio Sport Auckland studio. How are you, Wayne? Well, I'm pretty good, and I don't really care how many of those All Blacks get to drop out. (laughs) Maybe we can somehow fudge an Australian passport for them because we're pretty desperate at the moment
1: <laughs> oh, good to have you in the uh, in the country mate it was a great pleasure to uh, to watch you speak here in Wellington on Friday night uh, about um, about you know sporting kids uh, their choice their future it was a really really good talk and it actually folds nicely into what we've been talking about for the first hour on the show this morning I know you've been uh, you've been there and, and heard some of the show around eSports Um if you if you look at esports and and the the numbers the growing numbers of kids playing uh, playing you know those sorts of sports rather than traditional sports are esports a, a significant threat to our more traditional sports?
0: I don't know if threats the word pioneer it's, they're just they're different offerings and there there's a whole range of issues around this as you know mate that that in Melbourne last Thursday I was at a presentation by Sport Australia. And the head of Sport Australia got up and said, look, these are the the facts. This is our data about the number of kids who are participating in sport, where they're dropping out, what age they're leaving, team sport versus individual sport and so on. And what she presented, and it was incredibly clear that particularly boys, teenage boys 14, 15, and 16 years of age are walking away from organised, structured, competitive sport. And at the same time, according to their data, there's an incredible rise around that same age, 15, 16 years of age, again, mainly in boys, of kids doing non-organised sporting activities, fitness, health, ledger activities of all kinds, including sports. And what she presented then, and this was a meeting of all the Australian sports, she said, what the kids are telling us, is they like doing things, but they don't like doing the things that we're offering to them in the traditional sports. And I know that AFL, for example, what AFL have decided to do, they've invested a lot on developing an e-version of AFL specifically to target those 14, 15, 16-year-old kids and say, look, sure, we know that you generally may not want to play junior club AFL, We know that you may not want to actually go to two-hour games and you're not watching it at home with mum and dad on TV the way that you used to. But here is an exciting, engaging eSport version of AFL. So they've deliberately moved into the eSport market to try and ensure they keep kids connected to the game. Now, either frighteningly piney or surprising or just logical to many people is this – The question that AFL asks is, well, at 15, 16 years of age now, sure, they might like to play an eSport version. What are they going to want to do in 10 years, 25, 26 years of age, and then when they're in their 30s? And the long-term vision that they've spoken about is that they'll combine the concept of eSports with online gambling. And so the people will be able to connect with the game of AFL, play with other AFL players, other eSport AFL players, and then when they get in their 20s and 30s and so on, where there's a rapidly growing gambling market, you'll be able to play esports, online, AFL style, but for money. So they've not only gone, it's real and it's here, they've rushed to say, how do we become part of it?
1: Mm. The one thing that a lot of people of, uh, I guess, um, my generation, and I'm in my late 40s um, and, and older, find it hard to reconcile, is is that how can sitting on your backside... Looking at a screen for hours on end be good for you.
0: Well, I think it's a good question, Pine. I, I, I get asked this question a lot. As you know, we got that asked that question on Friday night at the event we were both at. That I, I believe in the long term interest of all these sport players and all kids generally. They're still got to commit into the the belief around health and well being and fitness. And and leisure activities where their heart rate's getting up and they're getting some physical exercise because we know long term health and well being and and things like cardiovascular disease and keeping themselves is going to be so important no matter what they do. And look, I've got no doubt, Paddy, that what's what is happening. I know and listening to some of your callers was fascinating, but you know we know what's happening is that in in the United States and increasingly around the world, eSport teams are investing in the health and well-being and the nutrition and the psychology and the fitness and they've got personal trainers the 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 professional esport athletes the ones that are doing well you can already see that they're they're utilizing tapping into some of those support services and those important things that we use to get the all blacks to the top and get athletes to win cricket games and netball games and all those things and It's only a matter of time, as it happens in all sport, mate, that you'll start to see people being what they are. There'll be eSports clubs warring against each other and there'll be, you know, the the old People's Front of Judea argument with Monty Python. It'll be the eSports New Zealand, the New Zealand eSports, the eSports Federation of uh, New Zealand. There'll be a whole bunch of governing bodies fighting to try and get control over the eSports industry. I'm sure that's happening already. So I could see those things happening. But, yeah, look, no matter what they do all of us have got to make sure regular physical exercise, good diet plenty of sleep, taking care of ourselves if that's what you, you want to be, a great esport player, you're still going to have to be healthy and fit and well and have a great diet get plenty of sleep and all those things
1: mm, Alright, you uh, You showed some really interesting data as part of your talk on Friday night regarding um, and you, you alluded to it in your first couple of comments today about uh, about when and where kids are, are dropping out of Sport at what age? Um, they're not necessarily uh, stopping doing activity, but it's just not the kind of activity that, that uh, us adults <laughs> are used to organizing for them, right?
0: Well, I, I don't get stunned very often, Piney, but one was you walking in the room the other night and realizing both <laughs> of us have got really good heads for radio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but the, the thing that, that, the two things in the last week that have just hit me between the eyes. One was Sport Australia presenting the data that they had and said, we all think that we're seeing a, a changing environment in junior sport, but this is the data and an incredibly big data set. And what they said between the ages of tw- eight and 12, there's a lot of kids still taking up team sport, playing footy, playing netball, playing cricket, all those things. At 13, the data says, and I mean we're talking hundreds, of thousands of records in this data set, Around 13, there's a bit of a dip, and we think that's connected to the start of high school. A little bit of a a stabilisation there, but the decline, the fastest rate of decline where more kids are dropping out of organised sport is at 15 years of age. And it accelerates 15, 16, and on it goes. And everyone in the audience sat there both stunned and nodding their heads saying, yes, now we can see exactly what's happening. Now, on Saturday, I had the great fortune to see an amazing presentation by English Rugby, the RFU. And they got up and presented this thing, and I encourage you, all our listeners to check it out. Just go to English Rugby Union site and scroll down, I think it's participation, and look for a thing called Game On. Game, G-A-M-E-O-N, one word, Game On. And the RFU presented it the other day. And as of the 2019-2020 no, the season, They're saying to rugby clubs in England, as long as, wait for it, as long as there's 10 a side or more, the result counts. As long as you play for 40 minutes, forget this 80-minute stuff, as long as they play for 40 minutes, the result will stand. And I sat there stunned. But then they said, look, the rationale is this. Would you prefer kids turning up with 14 players the game gets called and they all go home upset and angry and frustrated that they just don't get to play. Or would you prefer to see two teams of 12, 16-year-old boys playing the game out in the sun on the field? Not that there's ever sun in England, but out on the field throwing the ball around. And the, the, it, was, it was stunning, Pony, just that they said, look, the aim is just to get those 15 and 16-year-olds continuing to play we have to be flexible for them. We have to adapt and modify and change and give them the environment just to play this wonderful game that we've got. If we insist that it has to be 15 a side and you almost have white socks, if we keep insisting on these rigid, unbreakable rules, then we're effectively, we're shooting ourselves in the foot.
1: Do you think um, other codes are, are on to this? Do, do you think this is widespread uh, realisation and that we're going to, that, that the flexibility now just has to be part of any, um, any plans moving forward for, for big, major codes.
0: I, I honestly believe it is, Pine. And I, and I can tell you a personal story from Friday night that while you and I were pretending we were a stand-up act, that my 16-year-old son back on the Gold Coast, now he's 16, he's in that absolute target group, and he's got a wonderful girlfriend. He's in his final two years of study, He's, he's trying to earn an income. He's got a whole bunch of stuff in his life. And uh, my wife, Helen, had to organise for a babysitter for our youngest. And they drove an hour to get to a soccer game, to get a football game. And they only had 10 players. And they waited and they said, that's it. It's a forfeit. Now, those 10 boys who've given up the chance to earn money on Friday night, go out with their girlfriends, do study, all those other things in their life, they chose to go to football to play And they've all got in the car going, man, this sucks. Maybe this is my last year. It's not helping us. Whereas if they could have said if, and this has got to come from national bodies. National bodies have got to go to the clubs and say, we give you permission to be flexible in the interest of engaging and connecting with the kids that are so important to us. Because when I said, that's mind blowing. How could they call it with 10 people? The excuse that the administrator gave on the Gold Coast was, they're the federation rules. So they weren't doing anything wrong, those poor guys who've got to deliver the information to kids and parents. But they were saying, these are the rules. I'm sorry, we can't let you play. So the national bodies in all the football codes, all the sports have got to say, we've got to be more flexible. We've got to keep them playing. And in loving the game, enjoying the game, we've just got to keep them playing.
1: Mm, interesting times Wayne stay there we're going to take a break and come back with more from you Wayne Goldsmith with Wayne's World on a Wednesday joining us live in studio today 10.25 back in a second your sporting morning fix Jason Jason Wayne. Radio Sport Mornings powered by Spark Sport Rugby World Cup 2019 Tournament Pass now available 10.29 on Radio Sport, Wednesday morning. Wayne Goldsmith with Wayne's World, an extended version today with Wayne in studio with us. We'll still have the chase before 11, though. Uh, A couple of uh, questions through on text, Wayne. Uh, The English Rugby link that you mentioned, can you just uh, reiterate
0: what that was? If you go to uh, English Rugby Union, if you just Google or Bing or whatever your favourite browser is, just go to the English Rugby Union, and then across the top of their main website, so it might be RFU dot co don't quote me on that if you just google english rugby union go to their main site and across the top they'll have things like most websites they'll have things like news uh high performance and then there's a thing on participation a drop down menu for participation and that's got coaching uh it's got getting involved and then it's got a thing called game on and it'll tell you a little bit about their philosophies around why they've put it together and then down the bottom is a video and the video only goes two minutes but if you're in club sport if you're in team sport anywhere those two minutes i am absolutely promising you those two minutes if you look and think about why they've done it and get it in terms of that participation drop at 14 15 16 years of age it'll change your life it'll get you to rethink about the experience of sport that we're providing our kids
1: all right, that's uh, the answer to that one. Uh, another through here from Khan. Uh, Piney. can you ask Wayne if there's any information around about kids dropping out of sport with parents that don't play compared to parents who do play? So I guess in other words, if, if as a parent you're a sports person, uh, is it more likely that your own children will stay in the sport?
0: A great question, and I do know the website for this. If you go to oddsport, which is spelled A-U-S, P-O-R-T, aussport.gov, G-O-V, dot A-U, That's the Sport Australia, formerly the Australian Sports Commission's main website. Now, I don't know the exact section. You'll just have to look at some of their, their research. It's not that hard to find. Again, go to their participation data. They did a massive study where they looked at what is the relationship between the way that parents are involved in sport and their child's participation. And, look, it's a, it is a huge amount of work. But they what they found, and then to summarise the data, what they found was that even if the adults are not playing the sport, as long as the adults are connected to the club, connected to the sport in some way, even if they're down there cooking sausages to raise money, selling raffle tickets, marking out the lines, running the lines in the under sixes because there's nobody else to do it, carrying bikes, carrying uh, boats and oars for... As long as the parents are connected to the activity in some way, participation seems to be stronger. So if you're not a sports person and if you're not an athlete particularly and you have no interest in the sport that your child's playing as a player, then just get involved. Do something. Run the, Go down there and get the urn on early and make coffees for people as they turn up. That seems to be a very strong link between your child's participation and maybe not being there.
1: Good stuff. There you go, Khan. Uh, Aussport, A-U-S-P-O-R-T dot G-O-V dot A-U is the website there. Just back to what you were saying before about participation, et cetera, Wayne. I guess clubs must be feeling it, right? Clubs, you know, um, that used to be vibrant and and used to be a a hub of the community, now struggling for for participation numbers, et cetera. Uh, You know, clubs across all codes must be feeling a bit of a pinch in these modern times.
0: Well, they are. I think that's the real face of the pain, if you like, Piney, that, you know, even though, you know, I can go to an event that I did in Melbourne, I got to meet Greg Chappell, which was great. One of my heroes is incredible moment to be on stage with him. So, you know, you sit there and you look at this data and you look at the figures and say, oh yeah, well, sports showing a decline. Yeah, that's good. And and, and it's, it's almost, uh, you know, not a matter of fact, but you know, you're sitting there discussing the big picture and the big data. And I've just come from two days down in the Bay of Plenty doing a little bit with swimming and a little bit with rugby and you're meeting people in clubs, you know, you know, those, you know, those beautiful people in club, mate, the, you know, those people that are there an hour before anyone else putting the urn on. So everyone's got a coffee and, you know, the ones that are cleaning up rubbish on the ground when everyone else has gone. you know, those, those, you know, I call them the Jacks and the Julie's and the Jill's, you know, those beautiful people that have been in our clubs for 30 to 40 years and they've given their life to the sport, you know, and they were players and coaches and life members and, they're still down there doing those little things that we can't do without. You know the statistics. What that means is they're hurting. You know they're seeing. You know the, a friend of mine is a seventy-two-year-old netball coach in North Queensland, and she rang me a couple of weeks ago, pointing. She said, "You know, five years ago we had twenty-nine teams. Now we've got seven junior teams only," and she was crying. And the pain that some of our our wonderful stalwarts in clubs in all our sports around new zealand and around the world they're doing it hard they're doing it tough because they don't have the big data that we've got all they're seeing is that kids aren't coming anymore and they're scratching their heads you know do we start offering uh, more sausage sizzles or do we start offering free into they're all trying to come up with ways of turning it around and it's only when again you get out and you're spending time in clubs you realize how much pain is there and and being down in the bay of plenty man just some beautiful people and treated me so so well but you can just see how difficult it is for them to come to terms with how are they going to turn it around how are they going to get more kids playing sport
1: so when are you off home when do we uh when do we lose the uh the presence of Wayne Goldsmith on the side of the (laughs) ditch I'm not trying to get rid of you by the way
0: (laughs) it's funny everybody (laughs) asks me as soon as (laughs) I, I meet them they say when are you going well I'm very pleased to say that I've been on dry July raised a little bit of money if you want to google me and put more money into dry July I'll always take that to raise money For charity, but no. Tomorrow is uh, I'm on a plane out of here around eleven. A little bit of time in Wellington, home tomorrow afternoon to be there for an exchange student from Switzerland that we've got for the next two months. That is part of a language program exchange that we're involved in. And then it means my 16-year-old football player I spoke about before, my son Alex. He will leave us middle of December and he'll go and live with them in Switzerland. For two months So we've got a bit of a cultural experience And I'm sure by the time we expose him To a few pies, barbecues And a fr- few renditions of red back on the toilet seat That um, he would wish he was back in Switzerland
1: <laughs> Great stuff Hey Wayne, thanks for stopping into the studio this morning It's been great to, to have you uh, have you with us uh, Also as I say, great to spend some time With you last Friday at your seminar in Wellington Travel safe my friend And we'll uh, catch up again via phone next Wednesday
0: Look forward to it mate Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.